Hey everyone, welcome back to Rally Caps, a podcast for the creative entrepreneur building a business for the long haul. Today, hailing from the great state of New Jersey, Kyler Steele is a film and travel photographer who in the last five years has been to and created work in West Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, Pennsylvania, New York, California, and Colorado. And if you're on Twitter, you may know him for his ultra viral two photo format posts where he takes a raw image scribbles on it a bunch and shows how he turned it into a masterpiece of an edit. He makes digital and film photographs, has grown a wild following online in the past year, and has been putting in the work on YouTube as well for the last year and a half. We don't know his age, but we're guessing he's 23, 24? Yeah, 24. Is that right? Oh, 24. Nice. Okay. Got it on the second guess. Nice. (laughs) Very cool, man. Welcome. Yeah, thank you Welcome for having the show. me, guys. I'm excited to be on the show. Yeah, man. We've, <laughs> we've been eyeing you for a while and seeing what you've been doing. Um, the first very important question we have for you is, did you petition your parents to name you such a cool name? Yeah, how did you get such a cool <laughs> name, man? Oh, man, I get this question so many times. And oh, really? It's funny because <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, I really do. And I mean, it's more of a popular name now that like Kyler Murray and I think there's some other mm. Kylers that are a little more yeah. famous now, but prior to that, no one had heard the name Kyler. And, you know, you get the jokes like, oh, is it a combination of Kyle and Tyler? But in all honesty, um, my parents, they just, <laughs> they just watched the end scene of movies, like the credits, and they would look at the cool names and they just picked one of the names there, which was apparently Kyler. So that's my name. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. My uh, sister's name is Karis, which is a pretty cool name. Ooh, and that's... then I have a brother that's just Chad. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, no. He got the short yeah, end. Did not get did not get the cool He's name. He's just Chad. <laughs> just Chad. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry for listening to this, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> is also a really that. cool name. What yeah, the my heck? my sister in law is named Karis. That's awesome. And it's I don't know if oh, this wow. is the meaning they thought it's it's means grace in um in Greek. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I Very did cool. not know yeah. that. I don't think my sister knows that. I, she might just oh. be in a movie scene credit too. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we obviously touched on this in the intro, but you've been absolutely blowing up on Twitter in particular, and your YouTube channel, Instagram, everything has been taking off. Want to touch on the first of those things, which I think is where we found your work to begin with, which is Twitter. The whole two photo concept that Eric just mentioned, could you explain to the listeners a little bit what exactly you do for that? Yeah, so the two photo concept, it's kind of just like a before and after of like an edit. And a lot of times like people will see like work uh, like the after pictures usually on Twitter because a lot of photographers are posting pictures on Twitter now. And I think a lot of people are discouraged because some of the big names on Twitter are posting these crazy edited work, like way more edited than usually Instagram photos go because Twitter's definitely more creative on that side. Mm-hmm. And a few of me and my friends, we were in a group chat and we all started posting these behind the scenes um, where we would take the raw photo or the digital like film scan and we would write all of the editing tactics that we would do on it. And a lot of us would work in Lightroom and Photoshop and use the Orton effect and other cool effects. So many people don't know about these effects. So once they were 
seeing these behind the scenes and seeing, okay, that guy's taking really normal photos, but then making them look really cool. They started kind of going viral because all the things like, you know, people could relate to it. They were learning mm -hmm. from it, all of this stuff. So, um, it was pretty cool because a lot of my friends in the chat, like all of us had started on Twitter a year or two ago with about a hundred followers and we're all over like 15,000 followers just from posting our artwork and also the behind the scenes. Dang. So it's worked for, it's been nice to teach people, but then also get followers in return that like our work for what it is. Yeah. It's very cool. I, I want to, I have a follow-up question that people probably don't ask you a lot, but having, having felt some of that virality on our side too, and different things that we've posted with it blowing up, um, how, how does it, how does it pertain to business and like what it looks like for your growth? Like, and then the balance of that with the emotions of what it feels like to quote unquote blow up online, like feel free to let that be as open-ended of a question as you want, uh, because it is. And then, yeah, just, I would love to hear just how, how you're feeling in that process and what it like sparks creatively as an entrepreneur, or if that's what you're even pursuing, cause you do have a full-time job as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, like Eric said, I'm definitely pursuing to seek the creative routes. Um, I work as a software engineer now and in my free time, like most people, I was just posting, uh, testing the algorithms on Instagram, uh, Twitter, YouTube. And it wasn't until about last year, you know, I was like kind of the angry person, like, oh my God, my work's not getting shown. But I knew like, I think there would be a breakthrough and I eventually went on TikTok and I saw those like stupid videos. That's like, if you post a seven second video with text on it, it'll go viral. And mm -hmm. I posted just like, I just copy and pasted someone's TikTok basically and posted the same text over like a cinematic like video scene. And it, it blew up. It was the first time I had went viral, but it got like 200,000 likes. And mm -hmm. I didn't continue on TikTok. I was just like, okay, but it gave me the confidence that if I mm. try algorithms and put out good content that it could work. So I deleted my TikTok, but I ended up going to Twitter and posting like kind of what I would see, like more viral sets. Like people really like, um, like the camera versus the photos, like photos, um, mm. on Twitter in general, you can tell portraits never do well on Twitter. So if you were going to mm. post portraits on Twitter, like you'd probably not get a big following. Whereas on mm. Instagram, if you post portraits, you would get a huge following. Um, so it was really me just kind of doing a dive into the platforms and seeing, like I said, finally creating like group chats with other people who wanted like growth and then helping each other grow. Um, so between that, like the knowledge that I learned from TikTok, like, oh, certain things will hit that algorithm and then blow up and then having good work that I was sitting on that I just didn't know how to post it. I kind of put those two together and found out what Twitter liked and what was my best work. And that really elevated me to go more viral and get a lot more followers. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the business side, I think, um, it's definitely opened up a lot of doors. Like I've been networking with a lot more people talking with a lot more people, but in, in terms of like straight revenue, um, the followers don't ever equate to money. I think some people think now that I have, I think I have about 30,000 followers on Twitter now, and then almost 15,000 on Instagram, people think like, mm -hmm. oh, now you're making money. But in the reality, that's not the case. You know, it's, it's a constant, mm -hmm. like the eyes on your work and the sharing of your work is good, but it doesn't equate to money. And I think 
another thing mm-hmm. with the followers is that you know people will start to see your following count and they'll think that like what i said they'll think that you're making money and then they might start to like kind of hate on you because they'll be like oh he's just get doing this for the money now but in reality i'm still doing it for the same reason that i was when i had 100 followers it's that i'm making artwork and i want to share it and i want to share my knowledge and i'm grateful for the people that follow me and support my work but for mm-hmm. the people that just see my follower count now and think oh this is just another big guy just milking out it's it gets kind of sad in that in that respect you mm-hmm. know yeah does that feeling ever deter you from wanting to create anything or wanting to share anything online um hmm. that's a that's a good question i i definitely know like i think like i said it's not more so the people that stop me from sharing, but it's my better knowledge, I think, of the algorithm that will stop me from sharing something. Like, if I do take mm-hmm. a good portrait set of work, like, I don't think I would post on Twitter because I just don't think it would do well. But I will take the time to, like, make a curated post on Instagram for that case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, like, tend to the people, I guess, without even thinking about it. But mm-hmm. But I don't try to... Like, if there's one person who doesn't like something, I wouldn't change it because... There's always those haters that are telling you not to do something. Mm-hmm. That's the right attitude to so have. The the journalist <laughs> yeah. in me wants to like keep digging, and the the emotional feeler who I I am wants to keep digging on that because then it's like because I think there are a lot of people who are listening to this who like are striving to be in your position right now, like to be at that breaking point of like, oh wow, I hacked it, I got it to work, it's blowing up, I'm building the following. Um, but how, like, first, how does that make you feel? Um, and you can be as transparent as you want in that. I know for me personally, it's like an electric feeling of just like, holy crap, I never thought this would ever happen. It's, it's like euphoric in some sense. Um, but then on top of that as well, like, where do you see that going? Because is it just like, is it just an endless pursuit of like, growing the following or like do you see it pivoting into full time and your own entrepreneurial endeavors that's that's a great question i think like you said um this in a way becomes an endless pursuit because like you said a year ago i if i saw someone with my following i would definitely without even thinking i would envy them a little bit you know because you want to be in that position and now that i'm i'm here it's like I didn't even celebrate or anything. Like I didn't pop a bottle of champagne or go out to a nice dinner. <laughs> I just got to the number and I said, all right, what's my next goal? You know? And yeah. I, I think I was really rolling on that. Cause my goal for like Instagram and Twitter for this whole year, like I planned in the beginning of 2022, I wanted 25,000 Twitter followers and 10,000 Instagram followers. And within one month, I am already past those goals by a lot. And I didn't take time and be like, oh, I hit my yearly goal. Now I could relax. You know, it's like I kind of just kept mm-hmm. going and I didn't really fully burn out, but I definitely feel in burnout because I never sat back to sit back and like relax and really celebrate what I got. But mm-hmm. I think um, I think the end of the journey is kind of going away from these viral posts completely and maybe posting stuff that will go viral, but for other reasons. Like I know... Mm-hmm. Eric, you posted like those shorter videos on YouTube that did really well that were funny yeah. and a lot of people could relate to. But now you're getting more into the work that I think you really want to create, which is like your short films and your longer films mm-hmm. that are more cinematic. And I think for mm-hmm. me, that's like the same end goal. It's like 
I want to create the stuff that's going to get me the eyes, but then I want to pivot into the work that I truly want to create and that like truly voices how I feel. I, just, yeah. I love this is hearing like, that. This is such a weirdly <laughs> impressive and accurate psychoanalysis of exactly. We were just talking about what this before we started through. recording. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that, yes, that's exactly it. That yes. was so well said. Yeah. Nice job. Let's go. Yeah. I feel I feel <laughs> all of that. It's just mm-hmm. like cuz so much of me, you know, if if you've watched any of the stuff I've, I've made, I just like want to always give a double middle finger to all the algorithms because it like oh, yeah. it emotionally will ruin you if that's like the pursuit all the time. And it's like it's almost this like gotcha when you like you use it to to, to trick the platform into like getting followers. And then you're just like, Hey everyone, screw it. <laughs> screw it all. Here's all this stuff I want to make, you know, that's like actually impactful. And I think what's so profound about that is like, yeah, when it's, um, when it's really relatable or like really cuts to the emotion of what people are feeling that will, that will in and of itself be shared and promoted because people all feel that and they resonate with that. And it's just really cool to hear that come from you. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I don't want to be like someone that's an interrogating in that. I just, I have this heart of wanting to like let creative people know that that pursuit of just like growing and growing, it can feel very, it could, it could feel very empty. Mm-hmm. Once you get there, you're like, okay, I know when I cross a hundred thousand subs on YouTube, I was just like, okay, what, like, I don't care. Like, I don't, what am I going to do? Like, what's going to fulfill me and sustain me longer than just this moment right now? You know? Yeah, no, for sure. Because like we said, like the Twitter followers and the Instagram followers are good. I think my end goal is YouTube because I do want to create video content. I think that has Mm -hmm. uh, a good chance to really invoke those emotions and stuff. And it's a good way to show your skill set And yeah, I, I, I'm going to continue doing the viral stuff. Like I'm in the grind that you were the past few years that <laughs> you got to yeah. get that audience and it, it, it's painful to yourself and it's a lonely journey. And mm. like, I don't know, you guys might not have seen my work till later on. I'm happy you guys have seen my work, what, what I consider early into the journey, but you know, mm-hmm. there's so many more eyes that I hope to capture and then do the rug pull, I guess, and switch to the work I actually want to create. <laughs> yeah. For so sure. I hope, well, I hope people really... don't hate me for the viral work I make, but I no. want them to know that I will be creating work that I think is unique one day. It's just, that's not the way to grow right now. For sure. Well, there's, there's nothing wrong with the vi- viral stuff either, because in, even if you wanted to do that indefinitely, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's mm. something that you really enjoy, honestly, your kind of viral stuff to me feels very different than a lot of other viral things because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel mm-hmm. as copycat as something like TikTok. But you're like actually just bringing a ton of value to people. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, this is exactly how I edited this image. Yeah. Like I did this here and blah, 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 you know? And then you're making YouTube content where it breaks it down even further and bringing the value there as well. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is a very sustainable thing, a very sustainable theme in a creative job, in my opinion. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that's a good point that you made. Um, when it comes to viral content, there's like some stuff where I guess you have to define 
like your boundary of self-respect in a way because yeah. there's content mm. where you could completely sell yourself out and it might be 10 times more viral than the content that I post, yep. but mm. that content is always out there. And if you really weren't happy with that work, then you do have to live with it. So the work that I provide, it's viral content, like you said, but it is educational content that I do enjoy providing. So there's no, there's nothing in me that feels bad about creating it or posting it. It's not mm -hmm. my end goal, but I right. will definitely continue to keep doing that as long as I keep going because it's stuff that is within my boundary of things that I do like to create. And it's lucky that it does go viral also. I mean, speaking of your kind of educational slant within your work that you post on Twitter, your YouTube channel is an amazing resource of education. I feel like all of your videos are like really, like really to the point, like you don't have a crazy long intro or anything. You like to just like, cut straight into it. They're all pretty condensed, packed with information, and they're all leaning into a genre of film photography that is very popular right now. Uh, it just seems like it's like, a, honestly, like a, a wealth of information for people that are new into film in particular. Is that the the general direction that you'd like to take things for a while on YouTube? And, and if so, like, what are your, your plans as you continue to expand on videos there? Yeah, I, I think it's a balance. Um, like I was definitely thinking like it's early in my channel, so I'm not too niche specific yet, which is good because I feel like sometimes it's hard to get out of your niche once you get put into it. But mm. I think uh, the areas I really want to break my channel into is like what you said. It's it's no BS, like no none of those long intros or stuff, but it'd be mm -hmm. probably three types of content. It would be the editing content, which is the stuff that technically does better because that's what people used to learn and it could go viral just because people use that to learn. Then there's the film photography stuff, which is more hands-on. It's like how-to photography also because I think learning photography through film photography is very good because you usually have the manual controls. And then I kind of want to tie some other things together with like, I do like to travel and I'd like to potentially get like brand deals and other stuff like sponsors do that. So more travel-based content where I'm doing more of those, for lack of better words, vloggy type contents where I could record more mm -hmm. behind the scenes, like in-field shooting. But um, I would say it would probably be like, 70% educational right now where it's like the how to's and the editing tutorials and then 30% like stuff that I want to create still has the potential to maybe go viral, but more so personal projects like the travel stuff really documents in my life. Cause I, I love to like go back in my YouTube videos and see a journey that I went on. So I, I think that content is important for me to create, to sustain the thrive to create in because if I only do the educational stuff, it is easy to burn out. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's good. But yeah. I'm a, one of the questions we wrote down is you talking about philosophy, but it's really encouraging to hear you like mapping all that out. And what I was going to say before is I've, um, I've been doing therapy like the past four or five months and for the longest time, I always referred to what I think is a really strong attribute in you is self-awareness. And through uh, counseling, I really started to understand like the, the depth of what the word humility actually meant. And I think at the end of the day, you have a really humble attitude and humility isn't necessarily a false perception of how good you are at things, but it's just a very accurate representation of where you are in the process, basically looking from the outside in, in an unbiased way. 
And I think you have that, like you recognize, it's not like you're trying to play down a large following that you've grown over the past year. You're recognizing that, but you have a really good attitude and understanding like, Hey, this isn't really monetized yet, but this is where I'm going. And that self-awareness, that humility, I think is ultimately what will drive you to consistently grow in a very real and sustainable way. You use sustainable and that's why we started this podcast too, to have conversations like this, to, to realize what that is for every creative, whether it's photography, filmmaking, you know, illustration, whatever. Um, so just wanted to let you know, that's a really awesome attribute to see. No, I definitely appreciate hearing the outside perspective because, uh, like I'd mentioned before, like a lot of this journey is alone. Like there's not a lot of like you guys have a lot of creators in your Chicago studio, which is awesome. Like I see you guys in the viewing parties and I envy that completely because to have people that would support me like that would be great because in Jersey and where I am, there's not too many creators. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, it becomes a little bit of lonely journey and I have to find myself like grounding myself often because if I see the numbers and I, I know I had wrote Twitter posts where, I said I never wanted to be the big creator that stops answering their comments and stops answering their DMs mm-hmm. when they get big. Because to me, I have wrote to many creators um, that are even smaller than me, and they never answer me. They never read my message. And I mm-hmm. honestly don't know why. I guess maybe it's a balance thing for them. But for me, like, if you're a creator on the platform, I think you have a little bit of a job to you know respond to the audience that you are talking to because yeah it's really important to just kind of make sure that you're a genuine creator because that also is Mm. kind of the part of the sustainability if you're kind of just doing it for the viralness and trying to make money i think a lot of people should know that the viralness can come and go and the money doesn't come till a lot later like i think a lot of people realize that a lot of these people that are online are faking their personalities or faking their luxury that they're living because they're really not making too much money unless you're talking about the huge creators. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yes. Well, speak on it like in your experience recently, cause you're feeling very similar in what you're kind of going through personally talking to Steven. Yes, you are yeah, talking. Yeah. <laughs> if they're not watching, if they're, oh, yeah, <laughs> if they're yeah. just listening, you're listener. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, feelings as far as like social media and growth and oh, yeah. stuff like that uh-huh. yeah it's what's um, happened with you on instagram recently yeah even twitter starting youtube now yep you know growth has been happening i feel very <laughs> fortunate to have hit honestly the kind of like what you're referring to kyler is just kind of like like these hit, hits of the algorithm and things just kind of like you're falling into it a little bit and things are just exploding and you almost don't even know why but it is and you're like yeah, great. Okay. This is a, a cool season to be in as things just seem to be favoring whatever work I'm putting out. Uh, and it's it's tough to keep Pause. up with it. What it, what kind of stuff? So we talked about Kyler doing the writing on each photo. Yeah. What's making your stuff? What's different about yours? It's shot on film. Shot on film? Yeah. <laughs> what film specifically, though? Like uh, film photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film uh-huh. photography, man. Uh, yeah, it's um, I, I shoot almost exclusively on 120 medium format film, mm-hmm. uh, and I make uh, some YouTube videos around that as well to kind of further explain the cameras that I'm using and why I choose certain film stocks and the benefits of medium format versus 35. 
but yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of, of medium format specific film work. Uh, and I feel like the, I don't know if you feel this way, Kyler as well, but the, the pace of film, uh, slows me down enough that I feel like I'm creating the most meaningful work that I've created in my career because it just by the nature of it being film makes me consider each image from a, honestly, a cost perspective and also from like a, oh, I, I know exactly what this is going to look like because I've shot this film stock a hundred times. And I know like I could get this amount of color or mm -hmm. this kind of like uh, shadow and light and uh, in, uh, like dynamic range and all these things. So there's a lot of just consideration that goes into every single frame that you take. And I think by nature of that, I'm just putting a lot more thought and creative energy mm -hmm. into each image that I'm sharing. And now I'm starting to get hired to do, <laughs> to literally just to shoot film for commercial type jobs, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And not to downplay either of your strengths or weaknesses, it's just really interesting to see that like you're thinking majority on the front end of your work, being uh -huh. like, this is the film stock, this is how I'm gonna shoot it, I'm gonna do it this way. And then Kyler's doing a lot more on the post side. It's just really cool to see. And even just you guys both shooting the medium of film, whether mm -hmm. it's 35 or 120, um, that there are two different ways to get attention of people, whether it's value or mm -hmm. just a visual and communicating that, that intentionality. At the end of the day, it's just all about the intentionality. It's totally. like, if you're just out there trying to photograph sunsets yep. and like the cityscape with like no philosophy or direction, mm -hmm. it's just gonna like, you're just gonna burn out trying to chase the algorithm. Yeah, I think people can definitely sense that intrinsic care that you've put into something even if it's not maybe obvious at first glance or if it isn't uh, an image that is diff like totally different from other people yeah. like it could be the same image that a lot of people have shot before but because you have put that extra care into it on the front or back end of it mm -hmm. it something about it just kind of elevates it above everything else would i would love to hear your perspective kyler on like on because I'm surely with all of the uh, film photography gatekeepers, with you <laughs> editing film scans, um, like, what is your perspective or your philosophy on that, or like how like how oh, have you no. approached responding to any kind of criticism like that? Listener, Kyler is oh, face palming no. right now. Okay, <laughs> gives you an and, idea. And to preface this, if you're not super familiar, if you're not super familiar with film photography, basically you. You need to put all the film through a magical potion mm -hmm. and like, and then you get, you get this digital scan of your film negative, which you turn to a positive. And then once you have that, you can either keep it the way it is, or you can manipulate it in post on a computer. So Kyler has dabbled in manipulating that after the fact, as a lot of people do, mm -hmm. but maybe not to the extent that you do sometimes. So yeah. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, quick funny stories that I, I do post oh, a yes, lot of like please. my film scans and then the edited film scans. And uh. I, when they go viral, you know, I go to bed and I wake up to a lot of comments and I had mentioned that I answered all the comments, but that's not entirely true. I don't answer the ones from different languages cause I can't read them. Um, sure. Fair. but it got to the point that, you know, I had so many comments from, uh, the French language that I was like, I'm gonna take a day and I'm going to translate every one of these comments today. And I did. And every single one of them was just ripping me apart. Like the French people just oh wanted to, to burn down my account. 
gosh. They they were telling me that if I brought those into print in their print store, they would throw my my photos away. Uh, wow. They uh, they were just ripping me apart. There was so many things that, and they were like tailing oh off gosh. each other. Like, they were just like trails of like pretty comments of people just like this is terrible i can't believe he's done this like i was like oh i was like dude goodness. i just brought my photo in the lightroom and got little carried away i'm sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh but, my gosh that, yeah it's it, it, it's i mean it's fun like i i i like there'll be some comments i'll respond to and i'll just say thanks even though if it's like a mean comment because you know, I'm not mm -hmm. going to beef with anyone for their opinion. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, for the reason that I shoot film, like, it definitely does slow me down. And I definitely enjoy that aspect of it. But I'm a really techie person based off my job. I'm a software engineer. And I kind of just was always looking up the newest, greatest camera, trying to get that little mm -hmm. extra stop of dynamic range, just so... When I begin editing my photo, I can pull the highlights or pull the shadows. And mm. I just got tired of that pursuit of looking for that better camera. And then I realized that film actually is excellent dynamic range. And they're not coming out with new cameras. So I won't feel that gear acquisition syndrome to try to buy the newest, greatest thing. So I just settled on what, what I have right now is a Pentax 6.7 and a Leica M6. But... Those cameras allow me to get that base image that I want to start editing with. They have that excellent dynamic range. They already come out with great colors. So for me, like, in all honesty, I could do little tweaks and keep it just like your work, Steven, and it would be perfectly fine. But um, mm -hmm. I guess recently I've just been trying to get into like a more consistent color palette to kind of identify and brand my work a little bit more. And that's mm -hmm. where it comes down to I have to sometimes manipulate the colors a lot or manipulate the contrast a lot to get the, the certain contrast and clarity that I want in my photo. And then by doing all that, I, I have to do all these crazy techniques sometimes. And then I'm like, oh, I'll just at the end, I'll just go and write down everything I did. And then yeah. by doing that, people don't know that I'm just trying to do it kind of to get that consistency in my images. But some people will just be like, why did you do all this to get this to be a little more green? And it's like, well... I, this is just what I wanted. Because I wanted so, to. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so, oh, man. It's wild that artists have to now like explain why they chose to use a certain medium to get to the final product that they did. It's like mm -hmm. you can make the same exact argument of you shooting a digital image and putting a preset to get a starting base image mm -hmm. as opposed to shooting film. Mm -hmm. You actually might be better off by shooting film because it is slowing you down. You are shooting more intentionally because mm -hmm. that dollar sign is attached to it. And so this specific topic, and I think it's so true of so many other creative realms as well. When you're talking about gear, when you're talking about purchasing expensive gear, when you're talking about using an, a more expensive medium, mm -hmm. like people do need to realize that that does things psychologically to you as the artist mm -hmm. that will get you to the final place you want to be at. And it's just, it's really comical to see that people like need to impose their specific, very narrow minded view of what how that medium is supposed to be used mm -hmm. and um, that you almost need to use it exactly the same way as every other artist who mm -hmm. uses the medium 
Because that's how art evolves. Everyone just doing the same <laughs> thing, <laughs> exactly the same, over and over. Uh, yeah. And ironically, it's like some of those voices are the same ones that like hate something like TikTok. Mm-hmm. That's just like a copy fest. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's really oh, that's so yeah. interesting. I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, and whether you're willing to believe that TikTok is art or not, like it literally can be and is in different ways. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is interesting to see some of that blindness come through of, of just being like, oh, no, but this, but this medium is so much more authentic and real and vintage and yeah, that might be the only thing separating it from new age apps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the sentiment's the same. It's like, yep. you got to allow artists to have their own creative voices and you don't have to like it. And that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep. yeah, like the world is a much more interesting place with different creative voices in it mm-hmm. because yours is going to appeal to a completely different crowd than Steven's is and vice versa Mm -hmm. and mine. And like, that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tyler, I also really appreciate whip cut. And then you start talking instead of me. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, go for it. Go for it. Oh no, no. I was just saying that was good. You're all good. (laughs) Go ahead, Steven. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I really appreciate Kyler that you mentioned the fact that, you sought out film specifically for the dynamic range for it as well. Cause I think actually that's a big reason why I've really gotten attached to film as well is because it, it, I don't, I don't think people believe us when we say it, but it performs better than digital camera sensors. Yeah. It, it can just see more and be pushed more and the way it handles overexposure and, and so many like very technical things result in just a beautiful image. And it's sometimes hard to explain why in those technical words, but like it really just comes down to the fact that it can, it can just see a wider breadth of light than, than digital sensors can. Uh, and that's, as you were saying that I'm like, huh, you know what? That's, I think that's actually why I love it so much as well. It's like, that's, it just, it just does something that digital can't plus you get all of the benefits of the, the, the way you can shoot it. And you know, there's a lot of, romantic ideals attached to film as well Mm -hmm. but i just appreciated that you you said that and kind of highlighted that because i think it's often lost on a lot of people yeah man i've definitely had a lot of shots saved just because i used film um Mm -hmm. because with the scan i think that's where a lot of people do go wrong in film photography if you do get cheap lab scans and they're just jpegs and you really can't edit those at all but if you take Mm -hmm. the time to like properly dslr scan or pay for a drum scan those images are going to be better than any digital images that you will ever edit and that's really the joy of film photography so yeah Mm -hmm. and and i mean you just you have you know a hundred images in your catalog instead of two thousand after you oh for a shoot (laughs) and it's just like that alone too can expedite your process so much faster and there's an Mm -hmm. argument to be made that that's a more economical way to go about it Mm -hmm. because yeah you might be paying for it on the front end but you're saving just heaps of time and energy and emotional damage (laughs) um doing it that way versus and i think it's it's really cool to note as well that like in the same way with film for you, Steven, you've been like developing and seeing your own creative voice come to life Mm -hmm. through a medium that you hadn't really delved into. And now that you have, you're just like, 
oh, this is the this is the way forward. Like clearly, it's resonating with more people. I feel so much more motivated. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hard to to like communicate to someone like, oh, this actually makes me really excited to sit down at the computer and and edit and like do this part of my job that so many people hate doing. Mm-hmm. And for me on the filmmaking side, like the R5 recently has been that for me, mm-hmm. like shooting in an, a crazy uncompressed raw video file. Mm-hmm. And then in combination with the new M1 Max computer, I'm just like, this was a hefty price tag and it's a hefty price tag to be able to keep all that data housed. But I'm like sitting down and editing raw footage on a computer is mind blowing. Like I feel like I can do anything with it and it just gets me excited to put something together Mm -hmm. especially if i planned out the shoot especially if i like did um a slide deck and like actually put inspiration for shots it's just Mm -hmm. the whole process is so much more exciting and fulfilling because then the message is conveyed in that as well and resonates with people in a completely different way and again it just comes back to that um just back to intentionality and, Mm -hmm. and doing something with with a purpose as opposed to just spraying and praying <laughs> you know yeah yeah no i definitely think that's a good point um i like to stress like in my videos that in order to create you need to have the tools that really make you want to create because yeah if you hate your camera if you your computer is too slow to edit and it takes that little bit longer to boot up and then you walk away and you go play video games or something, then you won't create that work. You might not Mm -hmm. create that thing that you've always wanted to because you have those little obstacles in the way. So taking those obstacles out, even if it's a hefty price tag, but like, I love the look of my like M6. I know, I think you guys both have them too, but that camera, Mm -hmm. like you pick that up and you feel like you just want to shoot. Like I, Mm -hmm. I have an ESR and I enjoy shooting it, but Sometimes it's hard to take it out on like a boring day, whereas I could take my like Essex out on the worst conditions ever because I just want to have it with me. So. Mm-hmm. And it is wild to see like people comment like, oh, it's so stupid. It's just a black box with that shoots <laughs> film. Why do you? And it's so hard to explain to someone unless like you've actually experienced it yourself. And this is the funny part of the whole gear doesn't matter. Mm hmm conversation mm-hmm. where it absolutely does mm-hmm. in this sense yeah yes you could have creative limitations and that's a very good thing as well like that's something you should practice mm-hmm. but if it's like your actual work that you're doing and doing repeatedly you you do need tools that you can rely on and like <laughs> uh, yeah I, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with using gear that you feel confident with. I think that's a big reason as to why Fuji finds so much success with their digital cameras Mm. with the X 100 V and their like X pro three and like the more retro styled cameras. I think there is something about the, the physical design of it that inspires people to just pick it up and use it because you already feel like, all right, like this is cool. Like this is a creative tool. Like there's something about it that just has that X factor which is funny because they're the X series cameras, Fuji. Oh, nice. Wow. Nailed nice. It. <laughs> totally accidental. Um, but like it, it is true. Like there's, if, if a camera just sitting at your desk, like you see it and that you just want to use it, I think that's a good sign. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I love my Mamiya 645 AFD because I feel like it is the camera that 
most gets out of my way for me to just make work that I like. Mm, yeah. And that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to get out and use the tools that you have, you are going to naturally create more work and get better at the work that you're making. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the, the opposition to this is people just being like, I can't afford having the thing I want. And so that's, that's the hard conversation where the, the sense of self-awareness and humility comes in where it's like, okay, then what do you need to do to get to that place? And what kind of patience do you need to have to get to that place? Because I feel like so many people just want it so fast and want it now. It just feels kind of how our culture is. It's just like, got to have the new piece of gear, got to have it as fast as possible. And it takes a lot to just like sit what you're saying, Kyler, like the money may not come for a while mm -hmm. and investing in yourself while maybe having a full-time job or a part-time job as you continue to grow the thing. Like that's what can be sustainable as opposed to just sitting there and being really angry that you can't have the thing that you need to create what you want to create, but just going, yeah, this might be a four year process for me to get to that point. But if you have that goal in mind, you keep chipping away in a sustainable way. It's like, you can find yourself there in four years and then oh, what you could do at that point mm -hmm. <laughs> moving forward. Um, kind of pivoting into that, like, do you see yourself having that full-time full -time job for a long time? Is that something you want to transition out of? Is that the dream? Or is it something that you always want to pair side by side with your creative entrepreneurship? Oh, man. Well, I tell everyone that I know that I want to retire by 30. And I guess okay. <laughs> what I mean by that right, is okay. just be done with software engineering. Like, luckily, it's a gotcha. high paying field. So I'm able to save up a good amount of money and buy the gear that I can get. Like you said, I think that is mm -hmm. kind of what you said, like the humility. Like, I know I have to work this job if I want to do my passion. So mm -hmm. I think... um I think what I would like to do is, you know, continue working in this direction. And then if I could save up money and also build an audience over the course of what it would be for me six years to get to when I'm 30, I think I would hopefully have enough knowledge and uh, an audience to generate some revenue that would allow me to sustain a life. So that is how I would like to pivot into that point. But I did want to go back to what you said on the like growing too fast and all that stuff. Cause I thought that was a really good point. And for me, um, when I did have burnout, I kind of questioned why, because I knew this is something that I really wanted to do. And I couldn't tell why I had such burnout. And I started reading audiobooks. Um, I, I like what you said about therapy and kind of makes me want to go to therapy. I think you've got a great awareness of things now that only someone else can provide to you. And that really makes me want to explore that option. But for mm -hmm. me, my first resort was audiobooks, And I started reading or listening to a lot of self-help audiobooks, And I, I have tons of notes, but one note that really helps me a lot, a lot is that this quote that burnout happens when you are trying to grow faster than you are capable of. And <laughs> I think that is something that ties in with the virality too. It's like you see people yep. at a hundred thousand or 10,000 and it seems like they came out of nowhere. Like you might stumble upon my work when I have 15,000 followers, but you might not know that it took me a long time to get there, but I just mm -hmm. popped out of nowhere for you. And mm -hmm. I think that was the thing for me. It's like, I kept finding these new creators, 100,000, 80,000 making money. And I was like, I want to be with those people. I want to sit at the same table with those people. 
And that is what burnt me out is that I'm not there yet. I will get there if I keep working consistently, but I will burn out if I want to be with them right now. So I think that was a good thing that you said, and I wanted to tally off of that. So good. <laughs> it's, it's what so many people need to hear. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> and, it, and it never, it never stops. There's always someone bigger. There's always something greater. Oh, yeah. There's always a creator that's making something better. They're producing more. I mean, unless you're Mr. Beast, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and he even, obviously even he's unsatisfied with the stuff. He, it's just an, it's a never ending game. Mm-hmm. And what? I, I was going to say, this actually ties back into what our friend Chris Chu said in his episode of Rally Caps in season one, my favorite line from his episode, he said, you're in the middle of what you wished for back then. Yeah. And I think that's so yeah. profound of like, oh man. Instead of looking forward to where I could be, yeah. think about where I am right now and how I, at one point in my life, wished I could be where I am right now. Yep. And that like, kind of goes in tandem with like the not growing too fast also is like a moment to stop and recognize. Humility. Oh my gosh. I, I dreamed of what I'm doing right now. Imagine where I could go mm-hmm. kind of like down the road. Like thing, things are going to keep happening. Like head down, work hard, like you said, Kyler, and just kind of like keep going at a steady pace. The numbers are always a shifting goalpost that you'll never be able to, like it'll never satiate the drive or hunger that you want to have more. Um, same problem with people, people pursuing money for the wrong reasons. Like mm-hmm. it'll just, it could just destroy you. And so having that foundation philosophy and understanding humility of where you at and where you're at and where you want to be. I love hearing that you have a five to 10 year plan. So many young people don't. Like you have this goal in mind where you're just like, yeah, by that time. And it's not, it's not a superficial goal either. It's not like by 30, you want to have a million subscribers or something like that might happen or it might not. And that's not what's going to give you the ability to be full time. Maybe a certain number would, that's not wrong to aim for something like that. But, but like having something that's so out of the realm of, of what is probably possible, um, but having a realistic, like, no, I just need to be sustainable at that point. I need to have this much saved up from the job that I will be doing for mm-hmm. six more years. And then that could subsidize what I continue to grow by the age I'm 30. Like that's where it's at. Yeah, definitely. You're making a dad proud over here, man. <laughs> you, you are the YouTube dad, man. You inspired <laughs> a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, you're you're at the dining cool. table that I want to sit at, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's super cool to have conversations with folks that I've seen, like, hanging in the comments for years on my channel, like, actually experiencing the growth and, like, seeing it happen. And it is weird. It's like, we joke about it, but it does feel like this proud dad moment of, like, wow, I didn't tell you to say any of these things, but hearing that you're approaching it in this sustainable way is like it's inc- it's incredible it's it's it what ge- it's what gives me the confidence to keep like beating the same drum i am beating to have a podcast like this with steven where like we can continue to get people on that same train of thought so that we don't need to teach it anymore it's just like we continue to teach this philosophy and it bleeds over to people's desire to want to grow whatever they're growing in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate yeah. you, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. No, I think, like you said, it's good to have an open podcast like this because 
I think so many young kids now, especially because I think I was on the borderline of kids that kind of want internet fame and then kind of want a normal job. But now I think most yeah. kids probably want some form of internet fame slash mm-hmm. creative freedom. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people need to hear that it doesn't come quick and it's not easy. Like in some ways, this is harder than my software engineering job. Like I put, I a hundred percent put more hours into this and I get a hundred percent less money than I do at my job. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can see that in like an inspirational uh, quote board right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you miss a hundred percent of the uh, shots you don't take. <laughs> Michael Scott, yeah. Wayne Gretzky. greatest quote (laughs) but yeah it's um it's 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 definitely a hard journey especially um like for me like i i love photography and videography with like my whole heart and passion but i know if i kind of dive into the areas that you guys are like wedding photography to make money off of that too like if i wanted to quit software engineering and pursue like full photography. I know I have to do something like wedding photography or a different type of photography that would generate that income. And I know Mm -hmm. that would lead me to fail in because it would be too much for me. So Mm -hmm. I think that's like you said, that's the humility. I know that I can do the photography, the creative side, if I balance it out with something else. Like this is my creative side hustle, but I have my challenge and day job that is keeping me going, uh, putting money in my pockets. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of the creators that I like followed, like the people that were in my group chat that I said that are have tens of thousands of followers now, they are still they might be full time creators, but they're really struggling because like I said, the the followers doesn't generate the money. You have to find right. an external thing that you can make money off of. Like you could do wedding photography with less than a thousand followers and make a full time mm-hmm. income. And that's something yep. you should know also. You don't need ten thousand followers to do full time wedding photography, but um there's if you have to know your end goal and how you're going to make money and then you have to know like how big of a following do I need because there are definitely professions in the creative realm that you don't need any following like I guess if you're mm-hmm. on a movie set and you're doing um like a director of photography you probably don't need a lot of followers you yep. just need to be in the right place to make that connection and get that job so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. It's 100% spot on yep just <laughs> yep yep just laying down facts <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's a good spot to yeah. kind of wrap it up. We've totally. almost been talking for an hour, man. Jeez. Um, yeah. Where can people find you? Where Where are all the places? We know your TikTok is gone. Rip. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my Instagram is Kyler Steele, just all one thing. My YouTube is Kyler Steele. And then my Twitter is a little weird because someone stole my username, but it's Kyler underscore Steele. But yeah, I provide a lot of educational content on digital and film photography. Uh, I think my next goal, like I said, is I really want to dive into more fun travel style photography, kind of more exciting content to mix in educational with entertainment. That is my goal moving forward. But yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show and finding my work and believing in me. It's nice to have more creative friends in the industry. I hope I can make it out to the Chicago studio and meet all you guys. But thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, of course, man. We'll link all of those accounts that Kyler just mentioned in the show notes below. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Kyler Steele. And thank you, Kyler, for joining us today. Thank you, man. Peace, bro.